Okay, grab your Bibles with me, if you would, this morning, and open them to the book of Genesis. We're in a series entitled Chasing, Going After God, Going After Big Dreams. Uh, and, and I'll begin in Psalm chapter 105. This is a verse that I, I read to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, before Pastor Lindsay preached last week. And it simply says this, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. He tested his character. Joseph went through some stuff. You know, God has big dreams for all of us. He has big plans for every one of us. And if you're here today and you've never known that or you've never believed that, I want you to be inspired by the Word of God today, that He has big dreams for all of us. And He will persevere as He seeks to get rid of anything that stands in your way. He'll do whatever it takes, including test your character. That's what He did with Joseph. Joseph... <clears throat> was the youngest son uh, of uh, Israel, uh, and he was the favorite son. Father gave him a special cloak, a coat of many colors, and he, you know he just thought he was the stuff. And he has these dreams about how his brothers and his father and mother would one day bow down uh, at his feet, that he would rule over them. This didn't sit well with his family. And so his brothers get so angry with him at one point that they throw him into a pit and leave him for dead. But then they change their mind and say, well, we can't do that. So they get him out of the pit. They sell him into slavery. They take his coat, put blood all over it, and return it to his father and say, we're sorry, your son was killed by a wild animal. He's sold into slavery. He makes his way to Egypt and eventually ends up in Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar was the... Um, the captain of the guard in, in Egypt. He was a high-ranking official in the military of Egypt. And remember, Egypt was a military nation. So he was, this guy was way up there. He makes it all, his way all the way to Pharaoh's, uh, Potiphar's house. While he's there, the blessings of God are on him. Even while he's a slave, even while he is uh, serving another man, the blessings of God are on his life. And it seems that Joseph has this incredible gift of leadership and anointing on his life. He can just, everything he does turns to success. It's a wonderful thing. He ends up running all of Potiphar's house, but not long after he gets there, Potiphar's wife, she makes an attempt to try and get Joseph to sleep with her. Well, Joseph is doing his best to do the right thing. He does his best to serve God, to be faithful to God, to be faithful to himself, and to be faithful to Potiphar, and he wants nothing to do with it. So the Bible teaches that he didn't just look at temptation and then walk away. No, he ran. He ran. You know, there are some temptations in our life we shouldn't flirt with, we should run away from. We, we shouldn't try to see how close we can get to the line and still be saved. No, we should turn and run the other way. No, I'm going to see how saved I am, how disciplined I am. Can I look and not be tempted? Not Joseph. He absolutely fled. The only problem was Potiphar's wife had latched on to him. 
And when he fled, he came out of his cloak. He, came, he was running so hard trying to get away. She was holding on to his coat. There was a struggle going on. And he takes off. Now she looks up and she has his coat. And she's embarrassed and angry. So here's what happens. Psalm, uh, Genesis 39, verse 13 through 20. Genesis 39. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. So all these guys come running in. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak. Here's Joseph doing everything he can to flee, to run away. He did the right thing. He was obedient to God. He honored God. He honored Pharaoh. He was trying to honor uh, Potiphar. He was trying to honor Potiphar's wife. And yet, in the end, he was lied about. And Potiphar comes in, has no choice, throws him in prison. Attempted rape. I don't know if you can relate. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life when you had done everything you could to do the right thing. You said the right thing. You did the right thing. uh, you, You didn't say the wrong thing. You tried to honor God. You tried to honor yourself. You tried to honor your family. You tried to honor the other people involved. And yet, somehow, at the end of the day, you were the one being blamed and you were the one being punished. You were the one stuck in a prison. You know, sometimes there are prisons made of walls, but sometimes uh, life has a way of imprisoning us. People's expectations of us, or lack thereof, have a way of boxing us in, cutting off our future. Have you ever said the words, man, I know that may have been who I was, but it's not who I am, and they won't let me out of the box. I'm I'm pinned in. Maybe the circumstances in your life have you boxed in and you're living life, but you can't go anywhere. You can't move. You can't move forward because life has imprisoned you. And all you were trying to do is your best to follow God and do the will of God. You see, here's the truth. If we want the blessings of God on our lives, the Bible is clear. If you want the blessings of God on your life, you have to be obedient to him. The blessings of God on our life are directly connected to our obedience in God. The problem is obedience and even the blessings of God don't guarantee that bad things will never happen to us. The blessings of God, our obedience to God is no guarantee that bad things are going to stay away. They're going to happen to everybody else around us, but not to me. There's an, you know, the the truth is this, when it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. It rains on those who are following God and it rains on those who are not following God. 
If we want the presence of God in our lives, like Joseph, who the Bible teaches that even when he was imprisoned, God was with him. If we want that kind of presence of God, we have to walk according to his ways. We have to walk in obedience. But just like Joseph, sometimes we'll do the right thing and we'll get the wrong results. You see, sometimes we obey God's word, but the results make it look as though his promises were never true. Sometimes we obey God's word, but, but the end result of what we're doing makes it look like, you know what? God's word isn't true. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've been in a place where you were believing in God's word, and you thought his word was going to come to pass, and you, you even preached that it was true. But after a time of it not happening, the results of life, you say, well, I have no choice but to believe that God's word isn't true. Joseph went through a very painful period when it looked like there was no rewards for serving God. This wasn't a short-term experience. You see, at 17 years old, Joseph was sold into slavery. One day, he would go on and he would be in put of charge uh, just under Pharaoh in all of Egypt. But that wouldn't happen until he was 30. He spent 13 years either in slavery or in prison. All while this dream was out there, believing for it, hoping for it, trying his best to do the right thing. 13 years facing uh, things that I can't even imagine while holding on to his faith in God. How many opportunities do you think Joseph had to give up on his dream? To give up on God. But he never did. Because see, God was testing Joseph. This test is called the perseverance test. The perseverance test. Could Joseph persevere when things didn't go his way? And just when he thought he got a break, they turned and he was thrown back in prison. Could he continue to persevere. Jesus told us in a parable in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24 through 27. He tells this great story. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now I want you to note something here. There's two houses. One is built on a rock and one is built on sand. The problem is the storm comes to both. Everybody's going through the hurricane. Living in the blessings of God is no guarantee that storms won't come. In fact, the Bible teaches over and over and over again that trials and tribulations and storms and suffering is going to come. Jesus said, when, you, when it comes, when you suffer. Peter said, uh, when it happens. Uh, James said, when you face trials of many kinds. Paul talked about it time and time again. Uh, he, he said, tribulations are coming. Why? Because they will happen in your life. The storms, and this is what Jesus is trying to teach. Guys, listen, storms are going to come. So the question is, not if the storms come, but when the storms come, what will you have already built your house on? 
You see, it's too late to transpose your house off of the sand onto the rock. Once, even now, with all of the weather-predicting tools we have, you can't move your house from the sand to the rock once it's already built. Because it's built on a foundation. It's something that stabilizes your life. It's something that gives your life strength. When the tribulations come, your foundation is already set. What is that foundation? Are you living according to the ways of Jesus? Are you living according to the followings of Christ? Are you doing what Jesus said do? How is your character? Joseph was tested. His character was tested. Jesus said, listen, if you've already been doing the right thing when there was no storm, when the storm comes, you'll make it through. But once the storm comes, you're, you're late to the party. As bad as it was for Joseph, though, uh, when the storms came, eventually he passed the test. He made it to where he was going. My, my question to you is, will your character fail when the storms come into your life? Maybe you're going through storms right now and you know that you are failing the test. Let me ask you another question. What are you allowing to grow while you are waiting? What are you allowing to grow while you're waiting, while you're going through a time in the middle of the storm? Maybe you're imprisoned and life is not going your way. What are you allowing to grow? Are you allowing hatred to grow? Are you allowing bitterness to grow? Are you allowing frustration to grow? Are you allowing discontent to grow? Are you allowing discouragement to grow? When you're in the middle of a fight for your life, what is growing or is character growing and commitment and discipline and hope? You see, you have a choice of what you grow in the midst of the storm. Joseph ran from sin. It landed him in prison. Where are you? Are you stuck? Are you boxed in? Were you left out in the cold? As bad as it was for Joseph, it could have been much worse. You see, here's the truth. In Egypt, the penalty for attempted rape was actually not prison, but death. We look at Joseph being in prison and saying, my God, this was horrible. But the truth is, if it weren't for the blessings of God on his life, Joseph would have been dead and the rest of the story would have never been told. It's, it, it, I don't know where you are, but if you're in a difficult place in your life right now, and you're saying, God, where are you? Sometimes to get our mind right, what we ought to do is say, wow. Maybe without God, who knows where I would have been. As bad as this is, where would I have been? And, and, and instead of pointing our finger at God, why don't we lift our hands to God in gratitude and say, thank you for not letting it get any worse and giving me a way out. You see, here's what I've decided in my life. Here's what I've decided. I would rather be in the prison with God's presence than be in the palace without him. I don't want to go a day without the presence of God in my life. I don't want to go a day without God right here with me. I don't want to be in the palace if you're not there, God. Where are you? God, I'm going to go there. Because if I can find where God is, I know he's going to help me through any situation, no matter what comes my way. If I can find where he is, I know I'll be in the middle of his will for my life. If I can find where God is, eventually every dream that he's put in my life will get there. But if I'm in the palace and he's not there, 
I better start looking around and saying, God, how do I find you? The perseverance test. Have you passed it? Are you passing it right now? I believe that today is one of those days when we have a progress report. Progress report. You see, some of us are right in the middle of the perseverance test. Can I just speak for myself and say I'm right in the middle of a perseverance test? And just saying, okay, God, where are you? What are we doing here? And, and uh, you're trying and you're working and you're doing the right things. You're saying, God, I, I need to see you. I need to hear you. I need to know what you're saying. I'm in the middle of this test. I believe that, that this message today is a progress report. You know when you get your three weeks progress reports from your kids? When their grades are a little low, it's a good thing you, come, you get that report home, you know their grades are low, what do you as a parent say to them? It's okay, there's still time. You can get that grade up. Let's buckle down. Now you know where we are, now you know what we've got to do to get this grade up. So I want to declare that today is a progress report, wherever you are, let's, let's examine our hearts, let God speak to us, let the Holy Spirit encourage us and tell us where we need to go. Because I'm going to tell you, I want to pass the perseverance test. I'd like it to not be any longer than necessary. I, listen, I want to be in the prison with the presence of God, but I would sure like the presence of God to move me out of the prison. Is that okay? I mean, can you agree with that? All right. Five things we need to learn during the perseverance test. Five things we need to learn. Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 21. Let's read the, the scripture first here, guys. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, and he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. This is a Hebrew boy that was a slave that got thrown into prison for attempted rape. And now, instead of the, prison, the, the warden putting one of his guards over everyone, look what he does. He puts Joseph over all the other prisoners. And, and not only that, he's over everything that happened in the prison. The prison guards didn't have to do anything. They're just sitting around collecting a paycheck. What do y'all do all day? I don't know. Joseph's got it handled. The warden, watch this. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. That's quite a guy right there. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. First thing I want you to know First thing I want you to know about the perseverance test is this. You can be promoted while still in prison. Just because you're in prison, don't think that that prison is blocking God from doing what he wants to do in your life. Because Joseph had done the right thing. And God's favor was on him. And he showed his love to him. And he gave him favor with the warden. Joseph took care of everything, but even though Joseph had suffered injustice, he kept doing the right thing. Notice this right here. Joseph didn't allow, Joseph didn't allow the injustice of man to stop the work of God in his life. What about you? Have you allowed the injustice of your employer, the injustice 
of the world around you, the injustice of your environment, the unjust of an unseen enemy that is always coming, seeking, uh, looking like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? Are you allowing the injustices in your life to stop the work that God is trying to do? Joseph didn't. He kept doing the right thing. No matter the circumstances, God allowed Joseph, Joseph allowed God to use him. So many times I see where God, people say, you know, I believe that God is going to use me someday. I just got to get out of where I am, and then God is going to use me. That's not what Joseph did. Joseph said, well, I'm in a prison. This is not good. I don't deserve to be here, but God's going to use me anyway. And he went to work doing what God had called him to do. The question is, what can you do right now? God may want to promote you right where you are. Even before he lets you out of the prison, even before you pass the test, he may want to promote you right where you are. But what can you do now? Joseph had no rights. He had no resources. He had nothing except the presence and favor of God and a willingness to keep doing the right thing. When you have nothing else going for you, number one, you can make a decision to keep doing the right thing. And number two, you can have the presence and the favor of God on your life. I may not can relate to your situation. I may not know where you are. You say, Pastor Randy, you just don't get it. It's so bad. It's, it's, it's been so wrong. It's been going on so long. You just don't understand. I don't. But can I tell you that Joseph does? Can I tell you that Joseph can relate? Can I tell you that his story ought to be hope for every one of us, no matter where we are? I speak over your life right now that God is with you, that his favor is on you, that promotion is coming even before you are delivered from the circumstances you're in. You're going to be promoted right in the middle of the test. Number two, second thing I want you to know is this. Uh, and, and we'll find this in, in um, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. This is Paul says, hey, hey guys, I want you to know you're going to go through tribulations. But I don't want you just to go through them. I want you to glory in tribulations. That's the second thing you know. You need to know is you should glory in tribulation. You should glory when things aren't going your way. You should glory when you're stuck in the prison. You should glory when you're in the middle of the perseverance test. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Randon? What are you talking about? Well, when you look at the meaning of the word glory in the Greek, at the first level, it simply means to rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. So you're telling me, Pastor Randy, that you want me to rejoice in tribulation. You want me to be happy when tribulation comes. That's counterintuitive. It makes no sense. We want to get angry when tribulation comes. We want to put up our fists and get ready to fight when tribulation comes. We want to run away when tribulation comes. But Paul said, no, I want you to rejoice in it. I want you to glory in it. But then he goes on even further. The root word for glory there actually comes from a word that's translated to mean, and it means to wish or to desire. Here's what Paul's saying. Not only do I want you to rejoice in it, but what I actually want you to do is I want you to wish for it. I want you to desire tribulation in your life. And then when it comes, rejoice that it's here. So Paul, my life is fine. 
okay, I'm a slave, but I'm the ruler of Potiphar's house. I have everything I need. I lack for nothing. I have people under my uh, control. I live in a, in, a, in a massive house. And you want me to seek out trouble? You want me, after all I've been through, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, everything that happened to me, that, that, that happens to slaves all over the world throughout history, the beatings and the whippings and, and the loss of rights and, and the inhumane treatment and the horrible, after all I made it through all that, and now I'm here, God, and life isn't maybe where I thought it would be, my brothers aren't bowed down worshiping me, but I'm doing pretty good. And you want me to seek out desire and wish for tribulation. Yes. This messes with our brain because we don't want to seek out tribulation. We want to have it all easy, the easy way. We, we, we want it just to be handed to us. We, we don't want to have to cook the meal. We just want it to be served to us. But Paul said, I want you to glory in tribulations. Why? Because tribulations produce good things in your life. Let's go back to our scripture. Romans 5 and 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Next part. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Now I want you to note something here. Second, uh, Third major point is this, tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation produces perseverance. You study scripture, front to back, I can't find any other way to produce perseverance in your life other than through tribulation. Other versions say, through trials and sufferings. There is no other way to get perseverance than through tribulations, trials, and suffering. So, when Paul said, I want you to wish for it, I want you to desire it, and I want you to glory in it. It's because he's saying there's no other way to get perseverance than to go through some stuff. Perseverance, you see, is, is different than patience. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is involved in your life and active in your life, when you're following in your, His ways, you gain patience. Right? But patience is short-term. Patience is like... You know, uh, waiting in line at, at the fast food restaurant or, or, or waiting on your steak to come at, at the Outback or whatever it might be. Patience is patiently waiting in the car while your kids take their sweet, precious time to come out of the house so we can get to church on time this morning. Was that too personal for some of you today? I didn't. Like, patience, we can have that for a little while, but perseverance, you see, in, in patience, we're patiently waiting. We're letting God work. We're doing things, but but we're we're patiently we're waiting with contentment, right? That's what patience is: waiting with contentment, not being frustrated, not being anxious, but being content with where God has us. Patiently waiting, but persevering is different. Persevering means you got to battle some. It demands that you fight the good fight of faith while you wait. Perseverance takes a long time. Perseverance doesn't happen in thirty minutes. Perseverance for Joseph took thirteen years. The only way to get perseverance is to go through some things. John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, these are the words of Jesus. He said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So he said, here's the deal. There's a vine 
And there's all these branches connected to it. We, we are branches. He said, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Now I want you to note here, to the branches that are not producing, if you'll leave that up for me, thank you, he cuts them off. Here's Jesus. He says, you're not producing. Boom, you're out. You ever looked up in your life and one day you were close to Jesus and you looked up and you were no longer close to Jesus? You're like, Jesus, where'd you go? These are the words that Jesus said. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. This is what Jesus said, okay? Jesus said, if you're not producing, I'm just going to have to cut you off. If you look up and and today you came to the room and you said, man, I haven't felt God in a long time. Maybe it's because you quit producing for Jesus. Maybe it's because you quit doing what you were supposed to do for the kingdom of God. And he just said, listen, I got to make room for some people that are doing what they're supposed to do. Y'all okay? Got really quiet. Got really quiet. That's all right. But I want you to know, first thing is he cuts them off. Second thing is prunes. Then you know what happens when you prune a branch or a tree? You cut it. You cut it back. So here's what we note. If we're not producing, we get cut off. Cut off. If we are producing, we get cut on. But everybody's getting cut. You can get cut off or you can get cut on. You can get cut off because you're not producing or you can get on, cut on so that God is positioning you to produce even more in your life. You can get cut off and not rec- realize your dreams in your life or you can get cut on so God can help you pass the test and make it to the next level. It's up to you. Would you rather be cut off or cut on? Because everybody's getting cut. When you're in the prison, it seems like you have no end, no way out. When the enemy attacks you with thoughts of doubt, uh, when hopelessness is seeming to reign, that's the test of perseverance. Can you keep on fighting? Joseph waited 13 years. David waited 13 years before he was anointed as king or, or, or became king. Paul, yes, he was saved, and yes, he became an apostle, but it was 13 years before he ever went on his first missionary journey. I don't know where you are today. I don't know how many years it's been that you've been waiting, but however long it's been, I want you to know this. Pass the test, and God will get you to where you need to be. Number four, uh, and let's go back to our our verse in Romans, uh, chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, watch this now, character. The fourth thing is this, perseverance produces character. The only way to get perseverance is through tribulation and I haven't found anywhere in scripture that says that you can be given character you can come to the altar today and Paul teaches us and in, in, in when he wrote in his letter to Timothy that we can receive spiritual gifts by the laying on of hands they can, we can pray for you, join hands with you, lay hands on you, and God can fill you with His Holy Spirit. He can give you gifts. He can give you the fruits of the Holy Spirit. All types of things can be imparted to you, but you can't impart character. You can't go home tonight and have a really good night's sleep and wake up with good character in the morning. Character has to be earned Character has to be developed. 
You can have all of the good models in the world, but it has to be developed in you. And it is developed primarily through perseverance. This is why Paul said, I want you to glory and I want you to wish for it, desire it, and rejoice when it comes because tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character. You see, big dreams require big character or they crumble. Remember what Jesus said, when the storms comes, where did you build your house? Because it's already done. And you can have the biggest house in the world. But when the storm comes, if you don't have the character of God in your life to hold it, it's going to crumble. Think about in your life how many people made it big but didn't have the character to keep them there, to sustain it, and they ended up right back down where they started. Character can only be developed. The only way to succeed in your dreams that God has for you is with character. The bigger the test must, uh, the bigger your dreams are, the bigger the test must be to confirm that you are ready. Because here's the truth. God will not promote you before you are ready. He wouldn't promote Joseph before you're ready. He, yes, he was doing good in Potiphar's house, but he wasn't ready for Pharaoh. He wasn't ready for the entire nation of Egypt. He may have thought he was, but God looked at him and said, you're not ready. He ends up in prison perseverance. You see, perseverance allows deep character flaws to emerge. Perseverance allows what's really down in your heart to come out. You see, it's easy to smile when everything is going well. It's easy to be nice to the world around you when everything's going your way. It's easy to be kind when, when good things are happening to you, when people are being kind to you. But what happens when you're in the middle of a tribulation, when you're fighting for your life, when you're imprisoned, when you're in the middle of a storm? What happens. Genesis chapter 40, uh, and, and I'm not going to read it to you, but let me just tell you, here, here's what happens. Joseph had two incredible gifts. One was the gift of leadership, which he used even while he was in prison. The second one was he had a gift of interpreting dreams. So Pharaoh's butler and cut, uh, baker and cupbearer were in prison with him. They come and they have these dreams. Joseph inter interprets the dreams and then here's what he does. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's not that he interpreted the dream. But he said, listen, when you get in front of the king again, would you mention to my name to him and that I have received injustice that he might let me out? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. God was looking down and saying, maybe this is an opportunity to get you out, Joseph. But no, Joseph exposed something here. He was going to be reliant upon Pharaoh to get him out of the prison rather than God. He exposed a lack of trust for God in his life. So he said, I tell you what, God, I've been waiting here a long time on you. I'm going to capitalize on my opportunity and I'm going to make things happen on my own. You know what God said? Two more years. So he said, two more years. He, the the cupbearer completely forgot about Joseph for two years. The dream came to pass exactly like Joseph said it was, two more years. Why? God said, I'm just going to have to leave you in there a little longer. You're going to have to persevere until you can pass the test because I can't take you to where you're going if you can't rely on me. You see, where Joseph was going was he would one day interpret Pharaoh's dream. 
and the interpretation of that dream would set Joseph up to be number two in the entire kingdom of Egypt. And he would have to lead that great nation through a terrible famine, but he couldn't do it if he was going to rely on men. He had to do it reliant upon God. God said, I got to teach you this right now when you're in prison. You're just going to have to stay there for two more years until you learn this. Perseverance exposes deep character flaws and gives us an opportunity to work on them and fix them and get our foundation right because where we're going, you got to have your foundation right. If you want your big dream to stand, you got to have your foundation right. You see, there are a lot of gifted people in the world, but it will be the presence of God, the favor of God, and the sovereignty of God that will make all the difference in the world for you. Don't rely just upon your gifts. Don't rely just upon what you can do on your own, but be reliant upon God. Don't rely on what you can make happen. Rely upon God because it's his presence, his favor, and his sovereignty that will change the situation for you. It's not, man, don't, you don't need to put a good word in for yourself. Hey, go put in a good word for me. Let them know who did it. No, no, let God work on your behalf. You put your trust in him, and he'll get you to where you need to go character, doing the right thing in the wrong situation. Number five, and we go back to our verse here in Romans 3, and perseverance produces character, and character, hope. Character produces hope. This is an interesting one. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. As we grow in God, as we're doing the right thing, as we're persevering, as our character is growing, it changes our perspective. You see, hope looks from, a, from God's perspective. Hope says, I know what you see, but I'm seeing what God sees. I know that it looks like I can't do this, but from God's perspective, I'm almost out. I know it seems like I've been here for 11 long years, 12 long years, 13 long years. But from God's perspective, it says you're just one moment away. You're just one moment in front of the king. You're just one dream away. You're just one word away. You just keep trusting you. Hope says, I, I, despite the circumstances, I'm trusting in God. Can you say that today as you persevere? Has it produced character in your life? And has that character producing hope, hope in God, hope that he's going to do what he promised that he would do? Are you seeing the bigger picture? Hope is for the present. It's believing that you are in the center of God's will right now. Hope is believing that God is with you right now, no matter what the trial we may be going through. When God is at work in your life, there is only one person that can block you from reaching God's dream. And it isn't your boss, or your parents, or your pastor, or your enemy, or your neighbor, or the president, or the governor, or the mayor, or anyone else. There's only one person that can block you, and that one person is you. I truly believe that Joseph could have been out of the prison sooner, but he got in his own way. Wherever you are, get out of your own way and let God work in your life. Let him move things on your behalf. Stop delaying your own dreams and learn to persevere, to fight the good fight, to get in, to do something while you're still in the prison. Don't wait on God to deliver you, to do something for his kingdom, but produce now 
And then let him prune you and prepare you for where you're going. I want to say this one last word to you. Maybe it's an encouragement for someone here watching online. Even if others don't keep their word to you, God will. He never forgets. Even when others have lied and didn't come through, God will. I want to speak a word over you. Hope. Hope in the midst of the trial. Promotion in the midst of the prison. May His presence be on you. May His favor be on you. May everything you do, just like Joseph, turns to success as you follow the work of God in your life. Can I pray over you this morning? Father, I'm speaking to those that are here today that say, I'm in the middle of the perseverance test. Some have been here a few weeks. It's felt like an eternity. Others have been here a few years. Others have been here for decades, waiting, trying to do the right thing, believing in you, God. And Lord, even when we did the right thing, we were punished for it. It didn't work out like we thought it would. But God, I am speaking a word of encouragement today for those that are boxed in, those that feel imprisoned, those that feel like uh, we, we, the expectations put on us, the, what people think of us is trying to hold us in, that circumstances in our life are, are not allowing us to move forward. God, we are putting our trust in you. We will persevere. We will allow the perseverance to produce character, and we will allow that character produce hope hope in you that you are our God. We, God, will not rely on our own gifts even though you gave them. We'll use them for your kingdom, but our trust is in you. We're not looking to man, but we are looking to you. So, Father, breathe hope into the hearts of every man and woman, every young person, every old person, everyone in between in this room and those watching online, oh God. May we be encouraged today that you are working all things for our good, that you are doing great things in our life, that you are a good father and that you love us and you uh, are, are here for us. So Father, I'm declaring today that character is being built Lord, I'm praying that people are going to start passing the test. People are going to start passing the test that the day is shifting, the day is turning, and we're moving to the next chapter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.